Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Well, good morning. My name is Caleb Clay. I'm the family pastor here. And we are so excited you guys joined us this morning. I see a lot of new faces, and we just want to tell you thank you. You could have picked any other church to go to, but you chose us. And I believe that God has a message for you this morning that will change hearts, that will empower you to live the kingdom lifestyle. Amen. So real quick, Pastor Mark, if you have not been with us or listened online, Pastor Mark has been in a series talking about the power of your words, confession. And even we had a guest minister a couple Wednesday nights ago with Pastor Daryl Huffman, and he carried on with the power of your words. And so this morning in preparation, trying to think of what's, what I want to minister on, I'm just going to kind of tap on to what they've talked about, but we're going to be ministering on kingdom motive, kingdom motive, because we've learned about the power of our words and how your words create your world. If you don't realize it or not, we were created in the image and likeness of God from the very beginning, and that with that being said, Your words have power to create the world around you. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke and things happened. Well, with us, we fall into this trap where we think my words don't really matter. It doesn't matter what I say. But honestly, it matters a lot to God because we were created to be just like him. But there's a motive behind kingdom that a lot of people are very familiar with, but they are very misunderstood with it. And so the motive behind the kingdom of God has always been love. But it's not the love the world tries to tell us about. And so we're going to dive in this morning, and I have a ton of scriptures for you guys. And we're just going to go through the Bible and let the Bible speak for itself. Amen? And so little backstory, me and my wife, Pastor Crystal, she's in our elementary class this morning, but... We moved up here back in 2012, I believe. It might have been 13. It's been a little bit. And so we knew from before we were even married that the Lord was calling us up to Valdosta. And so back in 2009, Pastor Brian and Cheyenne Atkins were over at Anchor Faith Church, and we planted it here. And they transitioned, and Pastor Mark and Ashley took over the church in 2011, and that's where we celebrate today. But with all that being said, the Lord had drawn on my heart, one day you'll be in Valdosta. And so I was like, well, that's great. My family and I moved to St. Augustine, Florida in 2009 to help out Anchor Faith Church St. Augustine. My brother and his whole family and my grandparents and my parents all still serve down in St. Augustine today. And I will say, today is an exciting day for them because this morning, actually right about now, they're getting started with their service on dedicating the mall that they just paid the down payment on. And it's exciting. And God has so much vision that has poured into Pastor Earl and Marcy for that mall and for that community, and this is just the start. And so we moved up here to help Pastor Mark and Ashley with the church plant, and there was already quite a few families that were here planted, growing things. And so we've been on this journey with them for just a little while. But one thing that the Lord has always reminded me of is that it's about people's lives. That from the very beginning, Pastor Mark would always say, we're not a small church, we're a growing church. That we won't stay this small for long because it's about people's lives. The seats that you see here 
we didn't just pick a random number and say, well, this is how many people we would like to see on a Sunday morning. It's, no, this is the amount of people that we want to reach on a Sunday morning. And Pastor Mark and Ashley's heart has always been reaching our community for the kingdom of God. And so we've had to do that through different avenues, different ways through the years. And honestly, through the pandemic with 2020 and 2021, we've experienced the most growth that we have had from the sheer fact of preaching the word, staying true to the word of God and not moving off of it. And so in our daily life as a believer, that's supposed to be our main foundation is the word of God. Don't just take it for a word from man, but study it out in your own Bible. You guys, I hope you have a Bible. I hope you have something to take notes on, phone, something. But look in your own Bible and read it for yourself. So I challenge you, what I'm about to say and what I'm about to minister, study it out for yourself. Go find it, highlight it in your own Bible so that way you can see that it's really there. I promise, it's there. And so, but motive takes on this intent here. And Webster's 1828 dictionary says, that which incites to action or that determines the choice or moves the will of a thing. And so the kingdom was always determined for action. And one of our mottos here at Anchor Faith Church is we are always advancing because the kingdom suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. And so we are always moving. We're always progressing. We're not going to just sit back and just sit on our hands and say, well, Lord, if you want to do it. No, we know that we are the hands and feet of Jesus and that we are having to put motion with our actions. Correct? Everybody with me? So we are going to set a little foundation because obviously with God's love, we can go to the normal foundational scriptures. You know, what's the most common? I want some feedback. I say this every time, but guess what? I teach your young people. I want them to communicate back with me. So when you think of the love verse in the Bible, what verse do you think of? John 3.16. Everybody's on the same page. We got this. So I got it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, right? And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We've seen it on everything. And I encourage you, if you missed our Kingdom Rise, go back and listen to our Saturday night Kingdom Rise message about the John 3.16 gospel. Pastor Mark did a phenomenal teaching about the John 3.16 gospel and the kingdom gospel. Go back. It's on podcast. You can listen to it, Spotify, whatever you listen to. Go find it. But we want to set that foundation for God so loved the world. But really, the love chapter really starts back in Genesis chapter 1. And we go all the way back to the very beginning. We don't have to go back there, but I'll just paraphrase. But, you know, in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was formless and void. He spoke. Holy Spirit moved, created light. First action, right? Then he goes on for the next five days and creates the separation from the land and the sea and the sky and the air and everything else. Then he creates animals and trees and everything that man needed to succeed on this earth. And then he looks around at all of that and he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness so that they will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and the, everything that creeps on the ground. Everything on this earth will be under their control. So God loved us so much, he created everything we see around us for us. And then he said, let them have control over it, have dominion. Well, then if we go over to chapter 3, we know that Adam and Eve fell from that dominion by eating the fruit. Because God had one rule for them. Do not eat of the tree 
of knowledge of good and evil. It's in the middle of the garden. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, deception comes in. The serpent comes in, says, you will surely not die. He knows you'll be just like God the moment you eat at it. They were so much like God, they couldn't have been any different than God. The only thing they didn't know was evil. And so the moment they ate the fruit, said their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. They were ashamed. And that's the first place that we see in the Bible where fear shows up. Because they go and hide themselves because of shame. And so God shows up the next day and says, where are you? Which is a funny question for God because he knows where they're at. I mean, but he wanted some feedback. Where are you? Well, we were naked and we hid ourselves. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit? Well, it was that serpent. And the serpent, okay? Well, Eve, Eve gave it to me. She, she did it. The blame game starts. But we'll find out here in a little bit, God loved them so much that he put a redemption plan for man. So he goes to the serpent and addresses the serpent. Curse are you to be on your belly. You know, you're going to bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The seed, of, the seed from the woman will come. And he's obviously talking about Jesus, but he loved him so much. He said, I'm not going to allow man to stay in this fallen state. But here's one thing I was actually speaking with an individual last night talking about what I was ministering on. And he brought up a great point. He said, love will always correct, but love also will separate if it needs to. And I said, it will. And so we started talking about scriptures, but he brought up this point. If Adam and Eve ate the fruit and they would have stayed in the garden, the only reason they got kicked out of the garden because there was one more tree, which was the tree of life. And God decided once they had sin in their life, I have to remove them because if they eat from the tree, sin will be stuck with them forever. But because God loved mankind so much, he said, I will separate them so that way I can come back and restore what Adam had lost. It looks a little bit different than when we talk about God's love. God loves you. He knows the sin that you're in and he's okay. You can ask for forgiveness later. No, he might separate you to allow you to realize that I need to come back. But here's the thing. We're not diving into that because God's love is so powerful. The redemption plan started then. Even when Adam and Eve were out, guess who was still watching over Adam. I mean, if you go look at it, Adam had a very full life, like 900 years. He didn't die. He was just separated from dominion. And so when we dive into scripture, we can see that all throughout the Bible, there's been a common thread of love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And we'll read some of these really quick. I'm gonna, I told these guys, I said, I'm not even giving you these scriptures because I'm gonna go through them so fast. You can just write these down. But John, we can start over here. And one of the most famous ones was uh, Joshua 23, 11. It says, therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. He's talking to the Israelites. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Deuteronomy 11, 1. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. Deuteronomy 30, 16. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and your heart's and your descendants' hearts, and, the, and to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and you will live. So he's giving these instructions that 
if you want to live long on this earth, do these things. Then he goes on, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, and he says, And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And we see that there's always been a theme of love the Lord your God, and he'll take care of you. But today, I want to look at a different aspect. Because if we want to represent the kingdom of God in the best way we can, it's not so much about just loving God, but he gave him another command. We obviously know Jesus came, and we'll see that scripture, where it talks about he simplified things. Out of all these ten commandments, here's your two new commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so while I was studying this out, it really became so real to me that it's not so much about all the knowledge of God that you have in your brain, but it's about how much love you can express to another person. And I'm not talking about the phileo love or any of the other type of loves. We're talking about the agape love, that even when you feel like not doing it, it doesn't change your decisions. Because there's a lot of times that I could ask people right now, has by a show of hands, let's be honest, let's get real. Who in here has had somebody hurt them before? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, right? We can all raise our hand. Here's the thing. What you do with those decisions will impact your impact in the kingdom of God. And we'll see that. So we're going to look over at Romans chapter 5. We're going to look here first. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. And it says here, it says, But God demonstrated his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because God realized, in my plan for man, it doesn't matter what man's choice is, there's only one choice that Jesus has to make. And you realize that he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. He was the son of God and the son of man. That when Jesus completed the work on the cross, he was not Jesus, the son of God. He had a flesh just like me and you. He had emotions. He had decisions that he had to make. And honestly, looking at his ministry from 30 years old to 33, there was a lot of times where people abandoned him, just walked away. He had one of his close disciples was the one that turned him over to the religious people to be killed and murdered for cash. I mean, this guy had a lot of things that he could have taken offense to, been bitter about, and been like, man, I will do all this except for Judas. Won't do it for him. But he didn't. And he put aside his will and his way, and he even had that moment in the garden where he said, Lord, if there's any way this cup, this assignment that you've given me can pass, let it be done. But Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And we have to understand that there was a human side of Jesus that so many people want to just go, oh, it was just Jesus. I mean, he was God. Of course he was going to be perfect. If he was so much God and he didn't have his own choice, why was he tempted on all accounts? Devil wouldn't tempt God, but he would tempt a man. He saw he did it with Adam. He said, man, I had Adam fall, hand over all authority to me. He's like, there's another one that looks like what I've seen before. Maybe I can get him to. He had to go through every temptation he had in his arsenal. 
And Jesus still said, nope, not going to happen. But what Jesus did in the, in the desert, in the wilderness, was every time Satan came to him, if you are the son of man, or if you are the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Here's the thing. Jesus is out there operating under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, just like me and you, a man empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's will, and he's being faced by the devil, and the devil's going, are you the one that I've been looking for? So if you are him, turn these bread or turn these rocks into bread. Let me see if you are him. And he says, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he's like, mm. okay, let's move on to the next one. Goes through all these temptations. Finally, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of the kingdoms that you see here. Nope. And they have these debate. And then finally he said, leave. It is written. And Satan has to leave him. But you understand, that was the man operating under the Holy Spirit, speaking the word of God. We have to get this. And we have to understand that Jesus literally was the perfect example for us. That yes, he might have been the son of God, came through a supernatural birth. But when he was on this earth, he was in a skin suit, just like me and you. Having thoughts, emotions, wills, everything else. He said he even wept. He's just like us, but he was operating with the Holy Spirit and obeying the word. And so what Jesus has done on this earth, we can too. He even said, it's better for me to leave you guys. Just think about that. You're, he has been your mentor, your best friend. He has been the person you have resided in for three years. And he comes to you and he says, it's actually better that I go and that I go to the Father so I can send you the helper, the promise, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you and he will abide in you. And those guys are probably like, wait a minute. You're telling me it's better that you leave me alone here than you being with me right now. Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. And so he was trying to tell them, when you get the Holy Spirit in you, you'll be just like me in this earth. So when we ask the question, where's Jesus at today? We know Jesus isn't walking around this earth. He's not holding our hands, taking us through the promised land. He's seated in heaven at the right hand of God. At all authority, all power and dominion is under his feet. But the Holy Spirit, he sent down to be with us, to be in us, to be a witness to him. And that we have to understand that there is so much power in that. And we can't ever neglect that the greater one lives inside of me. Greater one wasn't Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit. The greater one lives inside of us. And so now that we have the Holy Spirit, we can operate differently than what the world sees. And We'll see here, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version, then we're going to go to the Passion Translation. 1 Corinthians 13. This is the love chapter, if you were unaware. This is what you hear at every wedding. This is what you hear during marriage counseling, everything else. This is the love chapter. And so I like to start it. Let's just read verse 4. We're going to go there, and then we're going to back up because it ties right in line with our confession. You guys ready? Verse four. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not 
pride itself, it is not puffed up, does not have or does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Um, It doesn't think it thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. So we've all heard that, correct? We've all gone there before. We've seen that one. Okay, hope so. So we're going to read this in the Passion Translation. I want to back up all the way to verse number one. And so verse number one starts it off like this. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in heavenly tongues of angels, yet I did not express myself with love, my words would be reduced to hollow sound, nothing more than a clanging cymbal. So we've been talking about confession, the power of our words. But you have to understand that without the motive of love, God's love, we can talk a great game, but it'll be empty nothings. It'll be literally a sounding gong, clanging cymbal. But then it goes on, it says, and if I were to have the gifts of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed uh, unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the great gift of faith, we all love faith, that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And so it always goes back to the original motive. Verse number three. And if I were to be so generous to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, it says, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Then it goes on. Love is is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle. It is consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflates its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame or disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best in others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. And so this is a picture of what God is doing with us that love never stops loving. And one of the things that I love about it is that it's incredibly patient. It goes on and it also talks about how it's not easily irritated or quick to take offense. It is joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in wrong. It is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best in others. And honestly, that's a moment right there where I can catch myself. And especially as a pastor, our job is to always believe the best in others. But you have to understand that just because we have pastor in front of our name doesn't neglect that we're human. I mean, we've had people before that have literally just absolutely stabbed you in your back and come back. And you have to be able to talk to them, respect them. I had an individual, I mean, my best friend, And he has no problem with me sharing this testimony. 
so I will. But my best friend ended up moving up to Valdosta with us. And we were best friends before we even got married. We were in each other's weddings. We did everything together. We rebuilt a Jeep together in my garage at my parents' house. I mean, we did so much stuff. We were always connected. We always had that brotherhood. And he ended up moving his whole family seven houses down from me. It was amazing. We were doing ministry together. And then one day, an offense came. And all of a sudden, I started seeing a divide, a separation. No idea why. What's going on? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. No problem. It's something I did. Offended him. So, fast forward a year. Hardly ever talking. Drives past the house. Doesn't even wait. No acknowledgement. We're talking to his family. Family all comes. No problem. Him, his job's busy. He's too busy to come. He's working all the time. Two years. They move away. Gets a job in South Florida. Almost wrecks the whole family. Terrible stuff. No communication whatsoever. Being best friends. But because an offense showed up, everything was lost. One day, I'm taking Jada to school. I'm going to try not to cry here because it was, it was powerful. We had said, and we had said in our hearts, that no matter what went on, and Pastor Mark and Ashley have said this, and they've done it so many times, no matter what that person has done, no matter what they've said, no matter what has happened, if they came back tomorrow and said, we're sorry, we want to run with the vision with you, we will have arms wide open, we will accept them just as if they were never left. And they've always said that, and they've walked that out, and for me, I had my opportunity. And so one morning I'm taking Jada to school, and I get a phone call from a random number. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. I answer it. He says, hey, man, you know who this is? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He said, you got a minute to talk? I was like, well, I'm just taking Jada to school. He's like, okay, awesome. He goes, man, I just wanted to tell you that I got offended at you. And because of that, I got offended at God. And every time I saw you, I saw God. And it made me even madder. And because of that, I made a lot of wrong choices. And that me and my family are now going to get connected back with the other church. And we're getting things right. But I knew I needed to call you personally and tell you I'm sorry. And that everything I said, I, I just want you to forgive me. And I'm so sorry for the way we acted. And, man, I'm bawling. Taking Jay to school. And she's just like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. I'm awesome. I was like, man. I said, dude, I forgave you a long time ago. I said, I'm just thankful to know that you're coming back. Because that's what love looks like. Love doesn't take an offense and say, how dare you? Are you kidding me? After two and a half years, you call me? Who do you think you are? What about all these moments there? I needed you and you weren't there. But here's the problem. How many times do we do that with God? Where we sit there and we say, God, I needed you but why didn't you come through there? We don't know everything that happens with that. But I do know this. God's love is patient. It's kind. It's long-suffering. It endures. And it believes the best in people. And we're going to dive a little bit deeper. Because then it goes on. Verse number eight starts off with, love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gifts of prophecy. With everything fades away, it is more enduring than tongues. 
that which one day will fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. For our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. It says, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke like childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. And so there's going to be a time where you're going to be faced with those moments where do I put on love? Do I operate in the God kind of love or do I continue in my childish ways? Because I'll be honest with you, when Isaac's running around the house and he's saying, I don't like clothes. He's a kid. I mean, I don't blame you, dude, but we got to wear them. And then all of a sudden he's running out of the house, just in underwear, running around the backyard, riding his four-wheeler. I'm like, dude, you got to put on clothes. You can't just do that. He's still in childish ways. I mean, dear Lord, if any of you come running up in here in underwear, I'm probably sure you're going to get tackled by somebody. So wouldn't advise it. Wouldn't advise those childish ways. But here's the problem is that we as believers are always constantly trying to mature, to develop, to grow into the perfection of what God wants for us. But too many times we don't deal with our childish ways. Well, Pastor Caleb, you don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they talked to me. I mean, they, they said some stuff that was just not nice. I mean, I, I can't forget that conversation. Great. Can you forgive them? Absolutely not. They haven't asked for forgiveness. See, one of the key factors that you know maturity happens is when you can forgive somebody when they don't even ask for it. Because back over in Romans, it said Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That he, just think about this. I talk to our kids all the time, our youth, our students. Think about this. Jesus knew his assignment. I will go to the cross. I will die for their sins. And in three days, I'll be risen from the grave. Right? He also knew, I can do all of this. And there's a chance nobody will accept it. A lot of us, if we get faced with those type of, you know, situations, we go, well, why do it? But Jesus had the mindset of, if only one accepts me, it's worth it. From the very beginning with Pastor Mark and Ashley, we've always said, if it's only for one life that we're here, it's worth it. Even if it's just for us and we just obey God. And I mean, and I'm talking about the days that, I mean, Van and Julie, you guys remember these days, Miss Mylene, you guys remember, but the days where we literally had praise and worship. Chase was on the guitar with us too, and it would, yeah, and Mr. Chuck. And there would be one person that wasn't serving that day in the audience. Everybody else would be serving somewhere in some capacity. We had ushers for people with one person. All right, it's time to pass the offering to you. All right, thank you. All right, and we're going over here. And that's it. But because of the one, it was all worth it. So Jesus in his mindset still had the same thing. If no one else chose it, if one person did it, I will obey God. Period. And so we read on in verse 12. It says, for now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day 
we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And so we see that God puts a great emphasis on the love, but we don't have to do this alone. And we have to understand that that helper, the Holy Spirit that I was talking to you about, you know, the one that made Jesus the man anointed by the Holy Spirit, following the word of God, accomplishing the things of God, right? We've all understood that. We can do that same thing. So then we go on to Galatians chapter five. We've all heard these, but I wanna bring out in the New Living Translation, because I love how this says. Galatians chapter five, verse number 22. But the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What's that first one? Love. We can't do it on our own. If you are trying to naturally love people in a supernatural way, you will fail every time. You in your physical self cannot love like God. But the Holy Spirit who produces this fruit in a believer's life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is designed to do, is to empower you to live according to God's kingdom. And so we have so many believers running around without the Holy Spirit, and no wonder they're so upset. No wonder they have such a short attention, patience, whatever. They can't stand people. Because they are not allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to be produced in their life. I mean, you can't, you can't do it on your own. So many people, will, I mean, I confess Jesus says, Lord, that's great. That's awesome. That's start. But you need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that will produce the kingdom life within you. And so when we see this, obviously it goes on to read and it says uh, in verse, what, 23? Do you have 23? There you go. No, that's the same thing. Oh, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. There you go. Because the kingdom of God is supposed to be supreme. It's what we are striving for. It's not just a tree like Pastor Mark was talking about of healing or faith. It's not a topic, but it's the entire thing that encompasses. It's the forest. And that when we are designed to follow after the kingdom principles, he'll produce the fruit of love in our life. The agape love that whenever you had a hard time with that individual, man, if you allow the Holy Spirit into your life, you'll realize that you can, you can deal with it a little bit at a time. I was reading one book and he said, give them, when you're dealing with hard people, just give them 30 seconds at a time. Just 30 seconds. He said, then when that 30 seconds is over, give them another 30 seconds until you just run out of 30 seconds. I said, well, that's a good way to look at it because sometimes it is hard. Sometimes you have personality conflicts. You have just different character flaws in other people or yourself that it makes it difficult to love the way that God loves. But when you set all that natural stuff aside and you say, God, let me love them the way that you love me. I mean, dear Lord, if we could just take a moment and just think of all the times God could have just made a tally mark of all of our failures, where he could have, mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. Just imagine 
what if the way that you love people is the way that God loved you? (laughs) I know, right? Lord, help us. Because honestly, it's a direct reflection of the Father. If we want to be in the king's motive of love, we have to operate in that. We can't just do it on our own and say, well, Jesus loves you. Good day. I mean, motive is action. It puts things into motion. And it's not a Sunday morning. It's not a Wednesday night. It's, it's not even a Friday night or a Saturday night when we have our kingdom rise. It's not. It's a daily occurrence that you wake up and you have to make a conscious decision to allow love to operate. Then we go on to John chapter 13. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so that you also love one another. You ready for this one? Verse 35. By this, all, everybody say all. All will know that you are my disciples because you go to church on Sunday. No. Because you give the most in the offering. No. Because you have the nicest Bible that someone's ever seen. No. I mean, be honest with you, this morning I was going through my new Bible, and I said, man, I can't do it. I said, I got to bring out the old faithful, the one that I've had since I was like 16, and it is so marked up that it's hard to read scriptures out of it because it's so underlined and highlighted, but it's not about the outward appearance, but it's about this motive. If you have love for one another, and I'll tell you right now, love's contagious. It is. People want to be around loving people. They want to be around people that they know they're going to be celebrated. I mean, Isaac, our little little four-year-old, if you haven't met Isaac, as soon as church is out, you'll probably see him running around the sanctuary like a madman, and he's super loud. He fits in great with our family. But Isaac just started a brand new preschool. And this kid is super sweet, but he's ornery. But he had a test for his new teacher. And we didn't know anything about this. And so he comes back after school the first day. And he says, hey, Dad, I told my teacher I love her, and she told me I love you back. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Then he goes, my old teacher, I said I love you, and she never said I love you back. I said, oh, so you're, you're, you're feeling out where you belong here. Ever since that moment, he's been celebrated. And he honestly thrives with that. But he also knows that if he's got to get corrected, it's because of love. Like I told our team huddle this morning, I said, if Isaac's running out in the street, love is not going to sit back and say, he'll learn. Good luck. No, love's going to go, Isaac, stop! Go tackle the kid and just lay him out. I don't know. Do something to stop him. Because we know the end goal is going to end in destruction. But why are we allowing our brothers and sisters in Christ to go down these roads of destruction and us go, Jesus loves you. No, love sometimes corrects. It says, hey, I've been seeing what you're doing. I've been seeing how you've been talking to these individuals. And, dude, you got to stop. That is not operating in the kingdom of God. And I'll just brace yourself. Their response might not be what you want. 
But here's the thing. Their response doesn't matter for you. You're only obligated to tell what the king says. So if they receive it or not, you planted a seed. And you might need to go and like brush your hands, brush your feet off and say, Lord, I said what you wanted me to say. And they did not go the way I wanted. And just move on. But love is the one that stands in the way. It's the gatekeeper. See, we're not drawing people to God because of how much we know. It says that the Holy Spirit's drawing all men to him. So the Holy Spirit's already doing the work, bringing them in. We just now have to show as an example of who he really is. And that honestly, Pastor Chris can definitely testify to this. In youth ministry, a student has no, it doesn't want anything to do with you until it finds out how you really are. If it doesn't know that you really love them and you really care about them, they don't want to hear about your Jesus. They want nothing to do with that because they've heard about a lot of other Jesuses. They've heard from a lot of different people. They've seen a lot of people that say, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And they're like, I don't want a part of that. But when they finally realize that you're the real thing and that you really care about them and you can go buy them lunch or you can sit down and have deep conversations, you can encourage them with the scripture, that's when they start opening up to say, something's different about your Jesus. Because there's a lot of people out there that are proclaiming Jesus, but their actions are saying Satan. I mean, really, they are. And so we have to understand that there's a way that when we operate, going back to that scripture in John, he said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we know that love is visible. I mean, I won't do this one. Not, don't raise your hand. Who's ever worked in a work environment where it was a little, uh, let's just say, tense? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. But you can tell there is tension in the room. And you feel like you're walking on those eggshells, like, ooh, I really need to tell them this, but it's not going to be received the way I want. Well, guess what? I've walked into churches before where I've walked in and gone, ooh, was the pastor just fighting with his wife? Because, I mean, it feels like everybody's on edge. What's going on? And you can feel that tension. But on the flip side, one of the things I love about our church is that the moment new guests walk in this door, they say, man, we felt so loved at the door. They said, we could feel the love of God just walking in, seeing all the smiling faces. And they said, and also, it just feels so alive. It's not, it's not stagnant. It just feels like everybody's just so happy to be at church. And it's like, yeah, welcome to church. This is the way it's supposed to be. We love everybody. We might have our differences, but we have the common purpose that binds us together. And so last few scriptures, let's go over to, oh, that one's completely missing, Andre. I don't think you got that one in there. We'll, we'll go there, maybe. All right. Let's go to 1 John 4. We're going to hit all the love verses today. You guys good? Everybody good? When you stand up, do some jumping jacks. Anybody? No? No? Okay. Hey, what, what Pastor Earl used to tell us all the time is, man, if you're feeling sleepy, go stand up on the back. It's a whole lot harder to fall asleep standing up than it is sitting in a chair. There's been multiple times where I've studied all night or done something, and I went to... Bible school and literally just had my notebook and just kind of stood up 
And that's what Pastor Earl told us to do. He goes, man, there was days I was working third shift. And he said, and I would work all night long, go do ministry stuff and go to school. And he goes, and I would literally just stand up in the back, just trying not to fall asleep. So I encourage you, stay awake. Stay with us. First John 4, 7 says, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to who? Another. Those who are continually loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to another. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who does not love has yet to know God, for God is love. So we'll get back there. The light of God's love shined within us when he set his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. You guys ready? Verse 10. He loved us long before we loved him, and it was his love, not ours, that he proved it by sending his son to be, what is that? What is that? Pleasing sacrificial offering. What? A pleasing sacrificial offering of his son. Because you have to understand, it's love. God took the one thing that he had one of and said, this is the only way I can gain everyone else. So I'll give it. And so he gives it offering to take away our sins. So Jesus was the prime example of love, but all Jesus was doing was showing this is how God loves you. That it literally poured out of him to us. And then we go on to John chapter 4, verse 14. 1 John 4, 14. Moreover, we have seen with our eyes and can testify to the truth that the Father God has sent his Son to be Savior of the world. Those who give thanks to Jesus, that Jesus, the Son of God, lives in God, God lives in them. And then verse number 16 says this. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love and that we trust in the love that he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. It does not say God lives in them. It says God lives through them because as we express the love of God to the brethren and to those around us, people will start to recognize that God lives through them. It's different. It should look different because we understand that the things of this world are upside down. The disciples were once said, man, these are the, these are the men that are turning the world upside down. Well, honestly, the correct way of saying it was these are the men that are turning the world right side up because the world's already upside down because of what Adam had done. But when they started showing up, they started realizing things were changing back to the original state. They were constantly joining together. They were constantly having meals. But it goes on. It says, uh, expression to us that are through, yes, here we go. Let's just go to verse 18. Here we go. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment, but God's perfection, the lo- but love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks continually afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. So you guys remember when I told you about Genesis chapter 3? When Adam and Eve sinned and the first time we see fear show up in the Bible is because they were separated from that love. 
They lost a minion. Shame showed up. But you see, Jesus showed up so that way love never brings fear. That whoever walks continually afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection yet. Because I'll be honest, as I was growing up, I knew the rules of the house. My parents had established a baseline. and I mean, I grew up in a godly home. We were always in church, but yet I had my own choices to make and they weren't too sheltering, but we had the baseline of rules. We know that there's some things we can't do and these are acceptable. Well, anytime I got faced with a option to go against my parents' will, I always had this in the back of my head. My parents are filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is going to tell on me. And when I get to the door, my dad's going to be meeting me there. So I remember at 16 years old, going to a high school party, and then they bring out alcohol. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, didn't think that was going to happen here. Um, I'll hang out for a minute and just make sure everything's okay. Well, then they're all passing around beer. And hey, you want one? Nope, I'm good. I'm good. And then all of a sudden, it's getting sloshed, and I'm like, if that stuff ends up on my clothes, my dad is going to meet me at the door and be like, why do you smell like beer? So I'm freaking out internally because I know the Holy Spirit's going to tell on me right now. So there was a lot of choices that I could have made, but because of that revelation in my head of, I have somebody inside of me that is speaking to the Father, and the Father's speaking to him, and he's probably speaking to my parents. I don't want to be here right now. And I'll be honest, it saved me from a lot of junk. Saved me from a lot of situations. I mean, one time I remember that I was at a, another event like that, and I was going to pick up a friend. Wasn't aware he had been drinking a lot. So I take him back to his truck, and then I realize once he gets in his truck, he's probably not fit to be driving. And I start following him home. We get one block from his house. He takes a corner and wraps his truck around a pole. And that's when the Holy Spirit said, it's not worth it. I said, huh, he's okay? Let's go find your mom. So I had to take him to his parents' house. They had the whole situation they had to take care of. But it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit goes, that's what I'm protecting you from. I said, okay. But then I was faced with a choice. How do I love my friends when I don't approve of what they're doing? How do I allow love of God to show through me if I can't be around them? So I started inviting them to church. Had a couple of them come. A few of them were like, man, I'm not going to church. Are you kidding me? I'm living my best life. Well, you think you are, but it's not. Do you not remember what just happened to your truck? I mean, not beneficial. But you have to understand that sometimes love, loving them, sometimes says, hey, I don't approve of your actions. I can't do that. I can't be a part of that anymore because now I have to hold to a new standard. And honestly, for the believer, for a new believer, that's probably one of the hardest hurdles to get over is that so many people will view you through an old mindset and an old lifestyle because that's all they've known. But when you give your life to Christ and you say, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're literally telling him, I surrender my will. I surrender my actions. 
I surrender my entire being to you. You own it all now. So now show me how to love like you love. Show me how to be the example you want me to be on this earth. And then we go on. Andre, I'm pretty sure that verse that doesn't have anything was 1 John 4, 20. Do you have it in there? Let's just all turn over there. Let's see if that was it. 1 John 4, 20. Yes. So we're wrapping up with this. Because here's the thing. You can have the most elegant speech. You can have the best gifts. You can do the best house, whatever it is. But if you don't love your neighbor, love your brother, and love your family the way that God says, it's all nothing. So 1 John 4 verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that we, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And so, worship team, if you will come on back up. We're talking about a new life here. I got one more passage of scripture and we're wrapping up for today. Man, I'm going to get you guys out of here early, probably. I said probably because I'm not sure. We'll just see. But one thing I realized moving to Georgia is there's a lot of past hurt that stays for generations. You know what I mean? Those somebody did something to your great-grandpappy and you don't talk to that family now because of what they did to him. Everybody resonating with some people. Thank you. But here's the thing is that there's a lot of hurts and a lot of disappointments that we can face in this life. But if we choose to hold on to them, it'll hinder your walk with God. I mean, even going back to Matthew chapter six, talking about the Lord's prayer. Lord, forgive me of my debts as I forgive my debtors. Because we have to understand that in order to really love people the way that God loves us, that means we have to forgive them the way that God's forgiven me. And so in Colossians chapter three, we don't have to read this whole thing. We're gonna go to verse number 12. I'll tell you when to put it up, not yet. But Colossians three, it talks about putting on this new self, putting on this new nature. And that we lay aside all the old things and all the things that are not according to God, we set them aside because they're non-productive for the kingdom of God. But then we go on and in verse 12, you can put it up on the screen. It says, so as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other Whoever has complained against one another, just as the Lord has also forgiven you, so you must do also. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And it says, we'll just read the rest of this, 15 through 17. Let the peace of God or peace of Christ, to which you have indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, 
with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ, or Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. But verse 14 stands out because it says, in addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. If you haven't realized, this world is in a drastic downhill state of disunity, trying to divide. And honestly, we used to say back in the day, man, it's gonna get better, but we know what day and age we live in. But here's the thing, for a believer, it always gets better. It doesn't matter what circumstances around you, it's about what who's in you. And are you going to put on love? The Holy Spirit's there to help because he says, man, I'm there to be an asset to the believer that when they need patience, I got the fruit of it. When they need joy, I got it, it's on hand. Just call on me and I got you. And we have to understand that, like I challenged just before, what if God loved us the way we loved others? And I want you to just take a moment and just reflect, find out, man, it would be, it would be a cruddy state for me to be in if God loved me the way that I've been loving people. I was telling somebody the other day, we went to a restaurant and just had dinner with my family. And the waitress said, man, I just wanna tell you guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight because it's really nice to see happy people. I'm like, gosh, Lord help her. Because if she's, if she's thanking us for just being us, what in the world are these people doing? Do they not realize that that's another human creation that God's made in his own image and likeness? What are they doing? And so for us, we have to challenge ourselves. Is Are we literally gonna get to the point where people are gonna look at you and be able to tell your God's disciple by your love or by you telling them, I go to church on Sunday? Because that's not a, that's not a pinpointed I believe in God because I have a Bible with me and I go to church on Sunday. That's not it. What is it is it's your actions. It's living out the kingdom lifestyle to say, God, I love you so much that I want it to pour out and continually to pour out into other people that are around me. That when somebody comes and they hang out with me, they should leave better than when I found them. But it takes sacrifice. Man, we've all had those days. I don't wanna deal with people. I don't wanna to talk to anybody. I just wanna have my own day. You know what I've learned about those days? Those days are the ones that God will bring somebody to you and you pour into them and you leave better than when you started because you had that conversation. Because he works differently than what we want. But when we surrender our will and we surrender our way and say, God, here I am, use me. God, let me love the way that you love. It'll change things. I had an opportunity just two weeks ago. I was up here working at the church and I was collecting our signs after our kingdom rise. And a homeless man came over to me, just talking. Man, I got his whole life story, but he was different. And we always try to be sensitive to those who really need help and those who just want to feed their addictions. 
This one was different, though, and the Lord said, you'll help him. I said, okay, no problem. I didn't have any cash. So I told him, I said, man, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have any cash on me, but we can go get you some water. We can get you some snacks. And it was cold. And this guy showed up wearing a suit coat just like Mr. Nick over here, nice dress blazer. He said, I went by one church, and this is the only thing they could give me. I said, well, that's awesome. And so I had this favorite jacket of mine that I've had forever. And the Lord said, give him your jacket. And I'll be honest, my first reaction was, what? So if he has my jacket, I don't have a jacket. So, but the Lord quickly showed me that love is sacrificial. It doesn't have to have anything in return to give. That Jesus knew when he went to the cross that I am giving my life for those who may not ever accept me. And because of that motive, it's easy for us to realize it's easy. I'll give. And so I gave him that jacket, super excited. Ended up helping him get to the Salvation Army. He had a bed for seven days, and they're going to help him get his ID so he can get back home and worked things out. And he was so thankful and said, man, I am so glad I talked to you. I didn't do anything. All I did was just obey. I didn't have to create things out of nothing. It literally was just use what you have. And we have a lot of things in our life that we take for granted and we don't view as necessary or important. But God's waiting on you to just use what you have. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want us to take a moment just to reflect. We're going to sing Here I Am here in just a second with the worship team. And we're going to keep it pretty low. But I want you to just reflect on yourself. Lord, am I loving people the way that you're loving me? Am I bringing the example of the kingdom to those who I'm around? Or am I bringing my own selfish motives? Lord, examine me. Search my heart. Because I'll tell you, he already has. He loves you and he cares about you. Even when we mess up and we are at our lowest state, he's always there to say, come on, you can do better. You've got this. The Holy Spirit's in you. He's empowered you. You can do this. But it takes us laying down our will, saying, God, not my will be done, but yours. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.